brothers and sisters in the Dhamma, um, happy Visa and Suki Hotu to everybody. This evening, we are very fortunate to have Venerable uh, Ajahn Damasiha from Damagiri, Brisbane, uh, to give us a Dhamma sharing this evening. So I'd like to request uh, Tanajan to give a Dhamma talk. Brahmacha loka dipati saham pati katanjaliya diwarang ayacata sandita parajataka jatika jaisetu dhamman anukam bimam pajam Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Bodhang namang sanghang namasami. So this is Atantamasiya from Tamagiri Forest Hermitage near Brisbane. And I'm very happy to be with you in KL today for your Vesak celebration, even if it is only via uh, live audio or audio recording. Quite a few may be in the disappointed that we can't come physically together, but if we analyze and in line with the Dhamma, it doesn't really matter so much if we are physically apart, because if we develop the quality of loving-kindness in our heart, that is something which happens internally anyhow. And if another person is developing the quality of loving-kindness internally in their heart, and another in the whole group, then we are connected in that sense. We have a very similar experience. If you wish well to other beings, if we have that sense of the intention of friendliness to everyone without distinction, if we form the aspiration, and may all beings be happy and well. May all beings live long, healthy and happily. May all beings be free from pain and suffering. May all beings be protected and looked after. May they enjoy success and happiness and long life. And if we truly wish that, without any distinction, without any judgment without imposing conditions. Now our heart will be very bright and radiant. And if now everyone joining in has a bright and radiant heart of loving kindness and the resulting joy and happiness, then we have a very close mental connection. And never mind the physical bodies. We are all at the same address. My physical body is here in Colo near Brisbane, 
Baksun and Suraswan that they are with their physical bodies in Melbourne. And uh, all the others are there in KL in that beautiful Vihara, which I had the chance to visit beforehand. And repeatedly in other years, I can't come this year, but in other years I've been there, I know what it physically looks at. And uh, your bodies may be there, but mentally our address is actually the same when we practice matter. What is our address for our mind in matter? Brahma Vihava, another divine abode, the divine abiding, the best address in town. And whenever our mind develops loving kindness, then our mind is in that location. Vihava means simply in a dwelling place, like for monks. The Buddhist monastery is called a Vihava because the monks live there. A Brahma Vihava, there's a house, a dwelling place, and where Brahmas live, there's very high devas that are free from sensuality. And if we develop loving kindness in our heart, then this very abode of purity and joy and happiness and unconditional goodwill to all beings, that is the address where our heart is. And we are no longer separate. We are all in the same place. So my Anamodana to you, it's a very beautiful idea to have the metta as a theme for your Vesak. Just right. And it means that we can all live in the same place all together. This is a little audio podcast. And people have to go into the app to be able to join in. But we're actually all podcasters. Even if you don't have an app or no internet connection, or you have never touched a computer in your life if you're elderly, we are still all podcasters. What do I mean by that? We are sending out the energy from our thoughts and emotions the energy from our intentions, and they do impact other beings. And sometimes people have the idea that we have to restrain ourselves with our action by body and our action in speech, because we understand that it affects others. But sometimes people have the wrong idea and the, the thoughts are free and it doesn't matter so much what I think. This is not what the Buddha is teaching. It matters a lot what we think. It matters because it shapes our character and because at some stage our thoughts will spill over in action and deeds. But it also matters because even the thinking directly will affect other beings. And the Buddha, for example, had the ability to direct matter to one person. Once when Ananda asked him, a friend of his had no faith in the Buddha, was talking even disparagingly about the Buddha. When Ananda asked the Buddha, out of compassion, can you not send the matter to this person? Because Ananda always looked after the Buddha, so the Buddha was quite happy to comply with his request out of kindness. And he said, this is easy for the Tathagata. 
that he brought up the quality of loving kindness uh, with the full power of a mind of a Buddha and he directed it into this one person who had no faith. And before long, he actually came running to the monastery. Now they say, just like a calf, a little calf is running after its mother cow, with that kind of longing. So this person who before had no faith was suddenly coming to the monastery and inquiring from the other monks, where is the Blessed One? Where is the Buddha staying? We wish to see the Blessed One. We would love to see him. And the other monks pointed him to the Kuti. And the Buddha opened and he fell at the feet of the Buddha and expressed his faith and devotion and the Buddha taught him the Dhamma. Now this is the power of metta, just mentally directed. Now of course we don't have quite a powerful mind as a Buddha, so we can't have quite that powerful effect. But every human being, when we generate an intention in our heart, it will affect other beings. It has a direct impact. We are podcasting all the time. And if you are thinking angry thoughts, complaining, maybe you are increasing anger in this world and in the whole universe because others pick up, they tune in. If on the other hand, we are sending thoughts of loving kindness, may all beings be well and happy. May all beings live long, healthy and happily. May all beings be protected from misfortune and sickness. May may all beings be loved and cared and looked after. May all beings develop wisdom and attain enlightenment. If that is the kind of stuff we are podcasting, others will tune in and they will affect them and there will be more harmony, there will be more understanding, there will be more joy, there will be more kindness and care in this world. I think I saw one, you may remember when we had the little test one with the podcasting, how a couple of people that tuned in, although it was only a test one. It's very similar. Whatever we think, we never know, we tune in. We will never know, we'll be affected by that. And what is so beautiful about what you are doing today in your Vesak celebration is that you're doing that as a large community. Our mind is not as powerful as the Buddha's, so we can't achieve quite the same effect. But if we come together and we develop loving kindness together as a community, at the same time, at this beautiful full moon night, which represents the Vesak birth of the Bodhisattva, supreme awakening of the Buddha and Mahaparinibbana, at that occasion, everyone together, developing loving-kindness in their heart. Now, this is a very powerful podcast. It's like a very powerful radio sender. And they'll be strong enough that many other beings will be impacted by that. So loving-kindness is a great way of benefiting others and benefiting ourselves. 
Well, we are actually the very first one to benefit from loving kindness. Even wishing well to just one other being, if we try it out, it feels good. It's uplifting. It is a buoyant, joyful emotion. And now imagine if we make that the limitless, the Brahma Viharas are also known as Appamanya Vihara, Appamana, the boundless, limitless, without restriction, the infinite. Because it's to all beings, because it is throughout the universe, all around, to the furthest galaxies. So imagine if just the thought, wishing well to one being, already feels good, and once we make that boundless to all beings, there's so much joy and happiness in our heart that no pandemic or no lockdown can... Uh, can lodge in our heart and make it dark or depressed. There's so much joy. And then you have that knowledge that you know, all your friends, the whole community, all your fellow Dhamma fairs, they are all developing that very same attitude and wish of loving kindness. And it becomes even stronger and the joy is so strong that your mind hopefully can attain the full samadhi when you're practicing all night. When the official program is over, you may even want to continue on your own. So my Anumodana, I think it's a beautiful and excellent idea in the current situation to focus on loving kindness. And the the supreme embodiment of all wholesome qualities, of all guna, of all virtues, is of course the Buddha who we recollect today. We are remembering the birth of the Bodhisattva in beautiful Lumbini Grove. We remember another supreme awakening, enlightenment, Samasambodhi, meditating all night under the Bodhi tree near Niranjara River at Bodhgaya and crushing the army of Mawa, destroying the defilements in the heart, developing all the psychic powers and extirpating the asavas, the intoxication, and uh, realizing supreme awakening enlightenment in this very full moonlight in Maine, the Buddha and the Bodhi tree, we recollect that. We recollect the Mahaparinibbana between the twin side trees, and we feel great inspiration and our loving kindness is naturally even stronger because we connect with the Buddha and the Buddha had so much loving kindness. So some of his energy also comes in into your communal effort on developing loving kindness with the Buddha power me supporting you. And uh, I really like that scene. It's so uh, evocative. I'm not sure if you have been in Kusinawa, if you have seen real side trees, and a beautiful tree and a very small, beautiful flower petals. And they say you know, the flowers were blossoming out of season because of the special occasion. And these two side trees, out of season, they would shower the body of the Tathagata, in the last night, they attained 
final Mahaparinibbana, with blossoms and beautiful fragrance would pervade the air. And the Buddha pointed out that even the devas would be showering the body of the Tathagata with uh, heavenly flowers and with heavenly perfume, and that these divine perfume and flowers would be pervading the air. But then he explained that although this is an exceptional form of puja, it is not the highest form of puja for the Tathagata. What is the highest form of puja, the highest offering we can give to the Buddha, to the Triple Gem? Now the highest form of puja, the greatest offering is to practice Dhamma in line with the Dhamma. Dhamma no Dhamma Patipati. Samichi Patipati, to practice with integrity, to practice appropriately, properly, to practice the Dhamma with diligence and properly. Anudhamma Chari, to conduct ourselves in line with Dhamma. So please don't be disappointed if you can't go to the Vihara tonight. I'm sure many of you have that sadness in your heart, that on the most important Buddhist day, you actually can't come to your normal place of assembly. You can't put the flowers yourself on the shrine. You can't circumambulate the Bodhi tree physically. But you do have that beautiful idea of the the Ipuja, which is on the website, I saw that on your website. But even beyond that, there's no reason to be sad because if you practice the Dhamma in line with the Dhamma, if you develop metta in your heart tonight, if you chant the Itipiso 108 times, if you do that practice, this is a much higher puja, according to the word of the Buddha himself than actually physically going anywhere or physically putting anything. And even if you gold plate with the whole vihava physically, this wouldn't be quite as high a puja as if you develop metta to the extent of samadhi and you sit in metta samadhi tonight. That is the greatest puja. And you don't have to feel sorry at all that you can't honor the Buddha with a physical puja on this special occasion. You give your metta as an offering to the Buddha. And if you imagine that, if you bring up that thought, that idea that you develop metta now, not only for your own benefit, not only for the benefit of all beings, not only for the benefit for the whole community, which is doing that together, but additionally as a special offering to the Buddha, then your metta will be even stronger. And if you ever feel tired during this night of practice today, and you remember, oh, this is actually what I'm doing as an offering, as a puja to the Lord Buddha on the occasion of Vesak, all tiredness will be gone away, straight away. Now, if you ever have any thoughts of anger or distraction coming up in your mind, you remember Oh, I'm developing metta as a puja, as an offering to the Lord Buddha on Visaka Puja. 
and all the anger will be gone, all the distraction will be gone, and your heart will be suffused and overflowing with unconditional goodwill to all beings. And if we look at the Buddha, and at the same occasion, we can see in his loving kindness and action, unless we have psychic powers and one couldn't really see the, the power of loving kindness in the Buddha's heart, but it also came out as action. And I was always struck in this last night, and we have to remember the Buddha was actually very sick. Some people pass away and are very relaxed, they have no pain, and then quickly they die. This was not the situation for the Lord Buddha. Now, after the last meal, it is reported that he had very sharp, fierce, excruciating pain in his stomach and in his whole body. He suffered from bloody diarrhea. He was dehydrated. And he still kept walking all day. And then this pain would increase all the time until he ultimately died from that last sickness. So here's the Buddha in severe pain and dying that night. And if you watch what was he actually doing for that last day, continuously serving others, continuously helping others, continuously caring about the monks, caring about the lay community, caring about the devas. Now, although he is the one who normally would say that he should get some help and support, but although he is the one dying and in pain, he continues after more than 40 years of selflessly teaching, virtually up to the last moment, in helping and caring for others. And when he gets sick, one of the first things he is doing is saying to another Ananda, Chunda, who has offered this last meal, may have regrets that I'm dying now after he gave me the last meal. And he said, now, so please let him know later that only two meals have this outstanding merit, exactly the same. The last meal before Supreme Awakening under the Bodhi tree and the last meal before Pavinibbana. Both exactly the same. So Chunda has done an act of great good karma when he offered me the last meal. Is, is it not touching, this concern? Would that be our first thought if we suddenly get deadly sick? To be concerned about that someone else may have remorse. But this was the first thought for the Buddha. Now then later, when the devas couldn't see him because a monk was sitting in front of the Buddha, fanning him, and the devas never disappointed that they had come from ten world systems to see the Tathagata attaining Pavinibbana, and now a big monk is blocking the, the view for them. And the Buddha, sick, dying, noticing that, and then requesting the monk to step aside, that the devas can all see him. Then Venerable Ananda, at some stage being overcome by grief about the Buddha attaining Parinibbana, and he himself not being an Arahant yet, only a stream enterer, then going away a little bit and starting to cry, and again the Buddha noticing and calling Venerable Ananda back and consoling him 
the consoling him by teaching in a very long sutta, Mahasudasana is quite a long one, because Ananda looked after him and the Buddha now trying to help him to overcome his grief. And then even the last disciple, personal disciple of the Buddha, a wanderer from a different sect, not a member of the Sangha, coming in and asking questions and when they were under concern about the Buddha being sick, don't bother him now. The Buddha overruling that, allowing him to come in and teaching him and inspiring him to the extent that he asks for ordination and becomes the last person a disciple and quickly attains Arahanship. Giving last instructions to the monks about the running of the Sangha, about seniority, giving instructions to Venerable Ananda, giving instructions about his charioteer and how he should be dealt with, that he can overcome his problems. I find it mind blowing how you see a person in action, even when they are dying, to the last moment exhibiting this quality of loving kindness and compassion in action to the highest degree. But we should also not neglect wisdom, panya. So loving kindness is very much on the side of samatha, samadhi, to develop samadhi. But the Buddha would always encourage us, based on samadhi, then to develop wisdom. And as a suggestion to bring in the wisdom aspect. If we wish to other beings, may you be happy and well. We can also ask ourselves, what does it really mean? What is really the greatest form of happiness and wellness? Of course, we wish them that they are healthy, that they live long. But is that real happiness? Or is there some higher happiness than just being healthy and living long and maybe having money and income and a good job? And what is the truly highest happiness that we wish to all beings? And again, we can take the Buddha here as our example. And some people may even wonder, is it actually really matter when the Buddha left his wife in the great renunciation and became an ascetic and he left as a newborn son. Some people may even say, oh, this doesn't look like matter to me. But if you look at the final outcome, what was the final outcome? The wife which he had left when he became an ascetic later became a nun and she became an arahant. And she became one of the Mahasavakas, one of the great Arahans, and foremost in one category. What happened with his son? And later he ordained. And the Buddha taught him, the Buddha trained him. And at age 20 he became an Arahant. He freed himself from all Dukkha because the Buddha had made that act and later taught him. What happened to his mother after she passed away seven days after the birth and reappeared in Tusita heaven now the Buddha later visited and taught her and she became a stream enterer 
And she was assured that to realize the full end of suffering as well. His stepmother, the Mahapajapati, she became a nun. She became an Avahan Bhikkhuni. She experienced the end of all suffering. His father, they say, became an Avahan on the deathbed, being taught by the Buddha before his dream entered. His half-brother became a monk, Avahant, and then so many of all the Sakyans, of all the relatives. So the highest happiness which we can wish to anyone is enlightenment, is awakening, is the end of Dukkha, is the realization of the Four Noble Truths, is the complete development of the Eightfold Path so that they are freed from death, that they are freed from new rebirth and all forms of suffering. So this is how we can bring the aspect of wisdom and understanding in our meta practice by investigating what does it really mean, may you be happy. And to my mind at least, no one can't wish any greater happiness to any being than following the teaching of the Buddha and realizing that same freedom from Dukkha in their heart. And this is what the Buddha did. And this was so inspiring that although he did disappoint his wife and parents and child in the beginning, ultimately he did a better job in looking after them all than anyone in lay life. Because even if someone is totally exemplary, and looks after their parents and up to their death and personally nurturing them, would we be able to save our parents from death? But the Buddha succeeded in that. And both his parents attained the deathless. His son, his ex-wife, so many of his relatives. So the Buddha was actually practicing the very highest form of metta. And when he went off into the Indian full moon night at the Great Renunciation, that was a supreme act of metta, or you can also say karuna, and the compassion is very similar to metta. Because that was a necessary condition that later he could realize freedom from suffering in his heart. And then he could share it. And he shared it supremely successfully and there's the thousands and millions in the last 2,500 years who have realized stages of enlightenment, who are assured of complete freedom from death and suffering and pain and sickness. And that came as an outflow, as a result of that great matter of the Buddha. So my best wishes to you. May you develop matter. May you develop metta in your heart. May you all live in the same address, even in lockdown, in the Brahma Vihava, in the divine abiding of metta in your heart. And then may you also investigate with wisdom what is truly the awareness we wish to other beings when we practice metta. And may we understand that the highest happiness we can wish to anyone is the happiness of Nibbana, Paramahansa Sokan. So we wish 
in our metta meditation, and may all beings realize that highest happiness, the Paramahamsukang of Nibbana, that the Buddha realized. And I'd like to finish off with a short blessing to all of you. Maung me sadanang yanti papata nimanani cha aram roke chetiani manusa bayata chita netanko sadanang kimang netang sadanamotamang netang sadanamakama sapadoka pamuchati yochebot hanchadhamancha sanghancha sadanangato Chattaro Arya Satchani Samapanya Yapasati Dokhang Nokasamopadang Dokasachatikamang Aryan Chatangikang Makang Nokopasamakaminang Etanko Sadanankimang Etang Sadanamotamang Etang Saranamakana Sapadokapa Mochati Thank you.